who have offerings and would like to send them in make their check out to Winber Assembly and mail it to Box 361, Winber PA 15963. Box 361, uh, Winber 15963. Well, this morning, my uh, title of my sermon is Chosen. <laughs> Chosen. And it's in John uh, 15, verse 12. It says, This is my commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. The greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends because I have made known to you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I gave you this work to go and produce fruit and fruit that will last then the Father will give you anything you ask for in my name. This is my commandment, love each other. <laughs> Do you ever pl play games, you know, as a kid? You know, you have games and you have pickup, and one, two, two, two guys, in this my case, they, two guys, you know, they, when they start picking guys, and, you know, you get, you know, you're like, okay, they're going to call my name. They're going to call my name, <laughs> you know. I don't want to be last. I, don't, I certainly don't want to be last, you know. So you're waiting for them to pick you so you can be on the team and make it. And, of course, you know, um, you have tryouts. You used to have tryouts in schools. Uh, now everybody makes the team, and <laughs> then they have separate teams and so on. But they had tryouts in school for baseball, soccer, uh, cheerleading, <laughs> who will be the starters and you know, all of that for our, our kids went through. And how about chosen for scholastic teams <laughs> um, and chosen for forensics? <laughs> Some of our girls do that. Uh, so, you know, we have all these different things that you, you try out for, and, you, and I think it creates a lot of anxiety, you know. And the whole, the whole concept is, the desire is, we tried out, so we want to be chosen. We want to be picked. Well, what if God were choosing? It's, 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 um, well, it's interesting, I think, how many people uh, are trying to balance the scales. You know, in, in their older life, they're really focusing on doing good because they got to balance the scales from all the bad things they did in their youth. <laughs> you know, and so they're trying to balance things out to get enough so if they can tilt the scales on the good stuff, they can get into heaven. You know, and so they're trying to balance the scales and there's all this anxiety. Do you think I'll get in there? I don't think so. You know, and they go through this whole scenario of, of good and evil and on merit. That is if God by merit is going to pick someone. And of course, we, we go through the, the church thing and, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so who sits in church, you know. And they, they're not as good as I am and, you know, oh. I wonder if God gets tired of hearing all this garbage that we throw up there. Well, so Jesus, or God, God were, and he's not choosing by merit, and he's not choosing by how bad we are or how good we are. He says in verse 16, you did not choose me, I chose you. Okay, now, it was always a great relief whenever we were being picked for teams to hear our name said and we were chosen. Well, what a relief to know that God has already made the decision and he has chosen you to be part of his kingdom. 
He's already made the choice. <laughs> okay, why? Why did God choose us? It's because some of us are better than others. <laughs> we have visitors today. Hi. <laughs> they, they, can you imagine? They were in part of my church 42 years ago. And do you know what she told me? Don't pick on me. <laughs> oh, you know, there isn't anyone here I haven't picked on. I mean, you know, it's like, hey, you know, Ruth especially, I get her, you know. How many years? Over 30 years I've been picking on Ruth. You see, you know, it just doesn't go away. It's just part of who I am, you know. Don't pick on me. Who ever heard of such a thing? Uh, they just make it up. I mean, you know. But um, <laughs> you did not choose me, I chose you. So I chose you to pick on you. That's right. No, God has chosen us. And he's chosen us, okay, to love each other as I have loved you. <laughs> so we are chosen for a purpose. It's not just to be on the team. It's to be part of what God is doing. And we are, to be cho we are chosen, and we are chosen to love each other, to love as God loves. And, you know, it, it seems, oh, well, you know, to those who maybe listen to sermons every once in a while, it's, well, it always seems like you're preaching about love. Well, God is love. <laughs> and those who follow him major in allowing his love to flow through them. And Jesus, his love, though, is different. You know, his love is a sacrificial love that looks beyond <laughs> talents and abilities and giftings looks beyond our faults and our sins and our failures. He loves us because that's just who God is. That's his nature, that's his, his being, it's his essence. 1 John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. <laughs> if you don't love, you don't know God, because that's who God is. Everything is based on his love of, his, of, of us and for, of a place that he wants to spend eternity with us. He wants you to spend eternity with him. That's why he chose you. It's not the will of God that any should perish. All should repent. God wants every person who's ever created, he wants them to spend eternity with him. That's his goal. That's the desire of God. And so he's going to do everything possible on his part to present to us the giftings of life, eternal life, and the giftings of the Spirit, and, and the giftings of, of who he is. He's going to give all of that to us, but we have to make the choice. Hmm. It's interesting that verse 13 says, the, great, the greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. Hmm. And whether the disciples... Well, they didn't know it. They never, they, Jesus would tell them, but they really didn't have a concept that he was coming to die. You know, they were still struggling with the idea of becoming an empire. And they were going to sit on his right hand and his left and throw out the Romans and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and Jesus is telling them that the greatest love is to die for a friend. And he's telling them this because Jesus is the friend who will die for them. And Jesus says, you are my friends. The greatest love is to die for a friend. And Jesus says, you are my friends. 
You are my friends. I chose you. You know, if you look at the disciples, Jesus called them out. He chose them. They didn't somehow, you know, wander out of the blue and say, can I join your group? <laughs> Jesus chose them. And in our lives, it's the same way. Jesus chose us to be part of his family, to be part of his, the, the eternal kingdom of God. He, he called us by our name. He chose us to be his. You are my friends. <laughs> so what, what Jesus calls us to do is the greatest act of love. He calls us to be forgiven because of his sacrifice for our life. He says, if you do what I command you, love as I have loved you, that, <laughs> you imagine Jesus saying, all right, I want you to do, the, I want you to do something for him. I'm going to die for you, for, you know, greater love hath no man than he die for his friends. You're my friends. So every follower of mine has to die for their friends. <laughs> it's like, nobody's going to sign up for that one. <laughs> You know, maybe when I'm 104, maybe I'll sign up for that one. I'll die for my friends, but not right now. <laughs> but Jesus says in verse 15, I no longer call you servants. And, and again, the individuals who are hearing this, the disciples and those who are uh, in that era, they know what a servant is. A servant is a slave. They're the property of someone. And Jesus says, I no longer call you servant. I no longer call you uh, property that, you know, you have no rights of your own I, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. A servant obeys orders. And Jesus says, I call you friend. I call you friend. A friend is someone that you understand and are aware of and that you get along. You know what the other person is doing. And Jesus says, I call you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. Now, often when you read this, or when I read it, I thought, okay, everything. Made. So you jump back to uh, all the things that are going on in the New Testament, how the, Jesus teaches the, you know, these things, Sermon on the Mount, and all the things that are going on, that these are the things he came to make known from the Father. But here he's saying, I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. Verse 16. You did not choose me. I chose you. It's like, well, wait, wait a minute. Everything that the Father has made known to me, is, is, it, is it summarized in these, that little short concept? Is what Jesus has come to accomplish, is it, is it summarized in this little phrase? I chose you. I choose you. Oh, wait a minute. I choose you. Out of all of humanity, I choose you to be with me. I choose you to be my friend. And then as my friend, we walk together through life, knowing the purpose of each other. 
you know, when I was reading that, I just kind of like, well, let's jump over to all these other truths and let's jump over to the Sermon on the Mount. Let's look at all the things that, that Jesus is telling us. And in that phrase, he's, he says it right here. I have made known to you everything I heard from my father. And again, there's more to it than just this. But he, the next phrase is, you did not choose me. I choose you. Not because we have talents and gifts and skills and abilities. Uh, we come from the right family. And not because we came from the wrong family and we're terrible sinners or he feels sorry for us. That's why he chose it. No. <laughs> I choose you because I love you. You see, I choose you because I love you. That's my nature, to love. This is God speaking, not me. Yeah. It's not my nature to love everybody. <laughs> there are some people I don't like. God knows it, so I might as well tell you. <laughs> there are some people who just don't get along with me. I don't understand it, you know. But it happens every now and then. <laughs> I'm sure there, there's some people. The other day, well, we've been down at um, Friendship Village, you know, and you're invited to come down, just call us. <laughs> but anyhow, of course, you know, there's nobody can stand between me and ice cream. <laughs> so I was going into the little shop to get some ice cream. So, the, you know, I walk up to the door, and they hold the door open for me. I go in, I get in line, I'm standing there, order ice cream. So didn't know it, but I stepped in front of uh, a couple, and they're a little kid who was waiting in line to get ice cream. <laughs> And I told him, you don't get in front of me if you want ice cream. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were back there. And, and I said, tell you what I'll do. I'll buy you ice cream. Oh, no, no, no. No, I got in front of you. I'll buy you ice cream. We see, <laughs> there are ways that we, okay, we blow it. What do we do with it? Well, we have been chosen. <laughs> We've been chosen for a special purpose. Now, <laughs> I, I, I knew, you know, over the years, with the hospital, uh, we've met hundreds, if not thousands, of people. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I like this one individual. Um, he, had a, he had a different way of thinking about being chosen. So I'll give you a little bit of history of, of this individual. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you his name. So. Um, he, wa he was an individual that... Um, well, he really thought he was chosen. He was very special. He was all about himself. <laughs> and um, he had been divorced. And his kids, I don't know how many there were, but they, he hadn't seen his kids in 20 years. He had never seen his grandchildren. He, uh, he, he was self-employed because he couldn't work with anyone. <laughs> no one would work with him. Uh, he left the, the one church he was at because he was a greeter, and the, can you imagine this guy's a greeter at church? I'm off. There I am. I'm on. <laughs> what a relief. Must be <laughs> this guy. He, I don't know where he's at, but he's probably saying, don't you tell stories about me. <laughs> I'm not putting him in heaven, and I'm not putting him in hell, all right? Just, just saying. But anyhow, 
um, you know, he, he was just this individual that was very much about who he was. So he was terminally, you know, when I visited him, he was terminally ill. And um, he figured that God gave him this disease because he wanted him in heaven sooner than later. Because he had a few suggestions that he could offer to God about running heaven. True story. I mean, this, this guy was, he was, he was dead serious. <laughs> Little humor there. And, you know, he was going to offer God some help. And, and on the matter of getting to heaven, you know, he had that all figured out because he knew some people there. And he was sure that someone was going to open the basement window and let him in. Uh, let's see. I don't, there's, that's enough information about him. But anyhow, he felt that he was special and chosen. <laughs> that gives us a new perspective of what someone thinks about being chosen. Well, for us in this scripture, this text, what Jesus has stated here, that chosen, that God made the first choice. <laughs> okay? God has made the first choice. No matter what we do, we find ourselves, it is the Holy Spirit that draws us to this place, this position of asking Christ into our life. We, we think that we are the ones who have asked God into our life. Well, no, God has chosen us, and his spirit is leading us to this point of confession, of asking him for forgiveness and living within our heart. Then, then it's about allowing his love and his, and his grace and his mercy to be part of who we are. Without God making his first choice, we wouldn't have a choice to make. You know, Jesus chose before the foundation of the earth to be the sacrifice for our sin so that we would not ever be separated from him. That's quite a declaration. He who knew no sin became sin for us <laughs> that we might find forgiveness. I thought this was a really good point here. Did you know it's impossible for God to doubt? Did you know it's impossible for God to doubt? Why? Because he has all knowledge. The scripture tells us, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It is a knowledge about the truth that enables us not to doubt. Okay? Now, when we are called to believe, we are called to accept what God already knows. I know, don't, I don't want to make it too complicated, but it's impossible for God to doubt. God knows our future. God knows everything that is, that is before us. He has a path, he has a plan, he has a purpose for our life. Now, we are called to believe. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. Of things that we just don't see yet. So they're already out there, they're just not here. So God, in his knowledge, puts, all, puts these things out there in front of us, then speaks to our heart, to believe for those things to come into our life. So we're not creating something that doesn't exist. God knows what we have need of. He puts that desire in our heart, and then we pray. And God has no doubt about it. 
that he will bring it into our lives. It's just that we have to believe that it's possible. And that the knowledge of God's word and what God wants to do in our life is greater than our doubts. See, it's not wrong to have doubts. We're always going to have doubts. But the greatest thing is that we, our faith will overcome our doubts. That our faith will overcome those things which are <laughs> mounting up against us. Because we believe something that God knows and he has put it in our heart and that he will bring it to pass and to God there is no doubt about it. Then, Jesus does not doubt what you can become. Because he chose you. <laughs> he doesn't doubt what you can become. He doesn't doubt what you can do. He doesn't doubt what you can, you can accomplish with your life. If life were finished for you, you would be in heaven. So life isn't finished. You still got more to do. Yeah, amen. All right, thank you very much. I'm glad you're still here. So, Genesis, no, oh, excuse me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And what? And he will direct your path. Trust in the knowledge that God has given you. God doesn't doubt because we have knowledge? All right. So, God knows what you need. But most but we must believe for it. And faith then, being that substance, did you notice that faith is a substance? I, I was thinking of the context that faith is our knowledge of Jesus Christ and his word and what, God, what he has promised to us. The substance of our faith is Jesus Christ and the substance of Christ is his word and the word he has hidden our heart, the word, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. That God's word in our heart establishes our faith, strengthens our walk with God, lets us know that there are good things coming and where we are at right now is a place of giving thanks. Giving thanks in the present place puts an expectation of good upon where we're at. It doesn't matter how bad it is. What it, we, are we are giving thanks for it because God is going to take this and use it because he doesn't have any doubt about it <laughs> that it's going to be good. God works all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So we have a promise. We have a knowledge. We have a, we have a, a a fragment of a, a segment of God's knowledge imparted to us. It says, it's all going to be good. Give thanks for where you're at. <laughs> he chooses you. He appointed you. I gave you this work to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now, how many have picked fruit this year? How many have bought fruit? All right, you bought fruit. How long was it in the refrigerator before it spoiled? <laughs> How many had penicillin grown on it? <laughs> mold on it, that's what I mean, yeah. Had mold on it. Did you, you know, one, I think one of the most volatile, volatile fruits, vegetables, whatever, is, I mean, fruit, you know, it just decays, it, 
it, you know, it has a short shelf life. And what does God say about your fruit? He says, your fruit is going to remain. I mean, that's the exact opposite of the fruit we have. The fruit we have, we buy in a store, and you have to, what do you do? You look at it for what's bruised and, you know, if it hasn't gone bad yet. So we put our fruit in the refrigerator to preserve it. But Jesus says the fruit that you have is a lasting fruit. <laughs> no expiration date. No expir ex yeah, expiration date on your fruit. It's going to last forever. 42 years ago. <laughs> They were in my church. I guess that's a long-lasting fruit. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, long-lasting fruit is eternal. It's something that God places in our heart that will go on forever. So, the fruit that is grown, picked in the time of love, picked with what God's grace and mercy will last forever. So, uh, Colossians says, uh, so... So chosen by God, all right, I didn't give this to you, Terry, so don't, don't worry about it here. Colossians 3, 12, so chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. God has chosen you to be his people holy, and he has chosen you that you are to Put off anger and wrath. Put on compassion and kindness. Not only ceasing to do evil, but learn to do well. Not only not to hurt anyone, but to do what is good. <laughs> we find that this process that God has started in our life is not an automatic one, but he has told us to, put, to get rid of this and put this on. Compassion towards hurting people. Kindness to all people. See, the design of the gospel is not, to so not only to soften the minds of people, but to touch the hearts of people. We are to make an effort to be kind. We were chosen for it. Did you know... <laughs> We only have so much emotional energy. You know, some people are just siphoning <laughs> of, you, know, you, you spend 20 minutes, a half hour with them, and you just are like wrung out. You see, <laughs> kindness, cheerfulness, that emotional energy is fuel. You know, exciting. It just adds to us. But whenever it comes to siphoning, draining emotions such as sadness and shame and anger, hatred, judgment and fear, they weaken us. <laughs> These negative emotions are like shoveling sand in the desert. <laughs> no matter how much you shovel, there's more of it, and when the wind blows, it's back where it started. There's a story I want to read. And... Um, it's about kindness. And it starts, the, the father of a special needs child. He was enrolled in a school for the learning disabled. 
and he was speaking at this school's fundraising, okay? And when he stood up, this is how he started. Where is the perfection in my son? Everything God does is done with perfection. But my child cannot understand things that other children do. Where is God's perfection? Well, you might imagine the audience was shocked because they were all special needs families. I believe that when God brings a child like this into the world, the perfection that he seeks is in the way people react to, his, to this child. This is his story. One afternoon, Shay and his father walked past a park where some boys Shay knew were playing baseball. Shay asked him, do you think they'll let me play? <laughs> well, Shay's father knew that his son was not an athlete and most boys would not want him on their team. But Shay's father understood that if his son was chosen to play, chosen, it would give him a sense of belonging. Shay's father approached one of the boys on the field and asked if Shay could play. The boy looked around to see if his friends might help him make a decision on this, and uh, he couldn't find any approval, so he says, yes, he can play. We're losing by six runs, and the game is in the eighth inning. I guess he can be on our team. We'll try to put him in, but in the ninth inning. Shay's father was ecstatic as Shay smiled broadly. Shay was told to put on a glove and go out and play in center field. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Shay's team scored a few runs and, and is still behind by three. In the bottom of the ninth, Shay's team scored again and now had two outs, bases loaded, with a potential winning run at the, pay, on, on, at the plate. Shay was scheduled to bat. Would the team actually let Shay bat at this juncture and give away their chance to win the game? Surprisingly, Shay was given the bat. Every knew that everyone knew it was impossible because Shay didn't have any knowledge of how even to hold a bat properly, let alone to hit something with it. However, Shea stepped up to the plate. The pitcher moved in a few steps to lob the ball in softly to Shea that could at least be able to make contact. The first pitch came in and Shea swung clumsily and missed. One of Shea's teammates came up to, to Shea and together they held the bat and faced the pitcher waiting for the next pitch. The pitcher again took a few steps forward to toss the ball softly. As the pitch came in, Shea and his teammate swung, at the bat, swung the bat and together they hit a ball slowly to the pitcher. The pitcher picked up the soft grounder and could have easily thrown him out at first base. Shea would have been out, but what? And that would have ended the game and they would have won. But the pitcher took the ball and threw it <laughs> high and out into right, right field, far from the first baseman. Everyone started yelling, Shay, 
run to first. Run to first. Never in his life had Shay ever run to first. He scampered down the baseline wide-eyed and startled. By the time he reached first base, the right fielder had the ball. He could have thrown the, the ball to the second baseman and easily tagged Shea out. But the right fielder understood what the pitcher's intentions were, so he threw the ball high and far over the third baseman. Everyone yelled, run to second, run to second. Shea ran toward second base, and the runner ahead of him, they all deliriously circled the bases toward home. As Shea reached second base, the opposing shortstop ran to him, turned him in the direction of third base, and shouted, run to third. As Shea rounded third, the boys from both teams ran behind him screaming, Shay, run home, run home. Shay ran home and he stepped on home plate and all 18 boys lifted him on their shoulders and made him the hero as he had just hit a grand slam and won the game for his team. That day, said the father, softly with tears now rolling down his face, those 18 boys reached their level of God's perfection. They reached their level of giving God's kindness. You see, we are chosen, chosen to be saved, chosen to receive God's blessings, salvation, and forgiveness, chosen to be his gift to receive of his goodness, and we are chosen to be his, his eyes and ears of kindness and love to others. We never know when it's our time to be and to give kindness because you are chosen, chosen by God for a purpose of not only receiving from God, but giving of God to others in acts of kindness. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given kindness to us. You chose us. As we stumble through life, you chose us. It was an act of grace and mercy. It was an act of your kindness to take us out of our sin and out of our folly and out of our doldrums and sin and all the things that would so easily entangle us. It was your kindness, O oh Lord that reached our hearts and brought us to know you as our Savior. It is your knowledge, O oh God, that helps us know the truth, that sets us free, that liberates us from our wrong thoughts of how important we are. God, it is your act of kindness that holds us each moment of each day and gives us a responsibility to be kind to those around us. Thank you, God for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you, O oh God, that we now can be aware of the kindness we can share with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.